We are so glad that you're here today. If you're a guest with us, we're especially glad you're here. We just want you to relax and just make yourself right at home. We are so glad you're here. I do encourage everyone to take the Connect card, that little Connect card, and take it out of your program right now. And would you fill it out and place it in the offering basket in just a moment? That'll help us get to know you a little better so we can serve you better. That's what it's all about. We want to serve you and be there for you. And so if you'll do that, in fact, if you'll fill this out and turn it in in just a moment, um, we're going to draw a name and give away a signed baseball by uh, George Springer. I just, I just wrote his name on it this morning. And um, no, George is a friend of ours and, uh, you know, been at Woodland Church um, many times, and we love George, and uh, so he signed a lot of stuff for us, and uh, uh, we've got actual George Springer baseball. How about those Astros? Yeah! Back in the World Series. Now, I have to say that I had tickets to Game 7 for tonight, and I'm so glad I don't get to use them. Praise God. So, what a game. That was so cool. Um, Back in the World Series, but I'll tell you something even more exciting is that God is here today, and he has a purpose and a plan for your life, and he wants to speak a word of encouragement to you today, and I am so excited about what he's going to do. Chris and I have been in Europe the last couple of weeks as we did a pastor's conference in Sweden, and then we preached at a couple of the churches there, and then we went on to Wales and met with pastors in Wales, and they've been wanting us to come there for quite some time, and so it's just, it was just such a joy and an honor is they want to learn what we're doing here at Woodlands Church. From the Woodlands to the world, you're making such a difference. Now, most of the ministries that we have here at Woodlands Church are to the poor and the powerless, and we do so much in Haiti and in slums in Kenya and in, in Central America and all over the world. We're usually ministering to the poor and the powerless, um, but we can't forget Europe as well because they may be high socioeconomically, but um, bankrupt spiritually. And only 1% of the people in Stockholm go to church, but that's changing as we've um, really connected with some amazing pastors there who are really reaching out to the young people. In fact, it has the highest teen suicide rate in Europe there in Sweden because these kids are growing up and really being taught there's no purpose, you know? And so... But God is bringing so many of them to himself through these amazing churches. So one of them was Hillsong Stockholm, and we were there preaching, and Pastor Andreas, a dear friend of ours who's come here, and then in other churches there, uh, making a difference and teaching pastors. Just watch. You know, we've got so much going on at Woodland Church, and you're making a difference all over the world, but... Um, this Tuesday night at 7 o'clock is girls' night out. It's a huge deal, okay? Guys, we already had our night out last week, and it was awesome. Um, but girls' night out is coming up Tuesday at 7. It's going to be a lot of fun and fellowship up here, getting to know each other. And I won't be here, so it's going to be an amazing night. My wife will, which makes it even more amazing. And I want you to watch this. Be here Tuesday night, ladies, at 7. It's going to be so much fun. It's at all of our campuses um, next weekend, I'll be starting a new series that I'm calling Kingdom, Bringing Heaven to Earth. Uh, we were with a dear friend in Wales who heads up our Just Earth ministry, which uh, is the farmer's field schools that we do in Haiti and in Kenya and other places. Um, 
And as we were with him in his 350-year-old house in a little Welsh village, he said, hey, I've got to walk the dogs, and I'm just going to go up to the castle and back. I'll be back real soon. And I thought, how cool is that to be able to say, I'm going to walk the dogs up to the castle that's 1,000 years old, then I'll be back. And uh, we're going to turn this place into a castle, and it's going to be so much fun next weekend. Bring friends, and we're going to talk about how Christ is the king of the castle, and when he's the king of your heart and your life and your relationships, then some heaven comes down to earth. God wants to bring some heaven to earth in your life, in your family, in your relationships. That's God's will, and we're going to study the Lord's Prayer because he says, my kingdom come you know, on earth and will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're to pray, and God wants to open up heaven and bring some heaven and some blessings down in your life, and we're gonna learn how that can happen for you starting next weekend as we look at the Lord's Prayer. But this weekend, you're in for a real treat. Our dear friends, Abe and Andrea Huber are here, and Pastor Abe Huber uh, has just meant so much to Chris and I because about three years ago, uh, he and some other pastors from Brazil came here to Woodlands Church to learn what we do at Woodlands Church, and we were so impressed. They came all that way, and so they were asking us questions. We were answering questions, and then I asked them about their churches, and I found out that Pastor Abe um, pastors a church with over 60,000 in average attendance. I said it right, 60,000. And, you know, that's just like one of the churches. And he went and planted a church in another town in Brazil that has thousands. And then now they're in San Paulo. But they started out in, on the Amazon in Santarum, which is right there in the Amazon basin. And Project Amazon reaches out to all these uh, villages along the Amazon and um, what Pastor Abe has done has been so amazing. So two years ago, we went to Brazil, and we were so honored to speak at the Paz Conference and at Paz Central Church there and to see what God is doing, and it's just unbelievable. So Chris and I have learned so much from them. We consider these guys mentors, and it's great to have Abe and his wife Andrea and their family is here. A lot of their uh, kids are here. So we're so honored. You're so blessed. And so after our offering, when Abe comes up here in just a moment, would you give him the warmest Woodland Church, Texas welcome to these amazing Brazilians who we're learning so much from. And by the way, um, everyone in their church is in a life group connected. And we're doing that at Woodland Church. And we want everyone to be connected. So we've learned so much from these guys, and you're going to love it. You're going to be so blessed. God's really been working this week in such a powerful way. And so now we want to give back to God some of what he's given us and take our offering if our ushers would come at this time. And I just really challenge you, encourage you, if you've never given before, be a part of what God is doing at Woodland Church. Begin to give. And then for all of you who are regular attenders and, and, and givers, um, give out of a heart of love and ask God to multiply those gifts. We're stretching more than ever to reach people in our area and around the world to make such a difference, especially raising up the poor and powerless by not giving a handout, but by giving them a help up. And I just am so proud of what God is doing through you. From the woodlands to the world, God's making such a difference. And Christ tells us it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. He, he tells us that you can't outgive God. You can't outgive him. He gives us back so much more. So give to the Lord today. And um, I want us just to thank him and pray. 
and then Abe's going to come up here. I want to also welcome everyone worshiping with us from our satellite campuses, everyone worshiping with us through our online and broadcast ministry around the world. Wherever you are, from the woodlands to the world, you're such a part of our church. We love you. And so let's pray together. Dear Lord, bless our giving. We thank you for your love for us. I pray, Lord, for Abe as he comes up, that you would just continue to use him in such a great way, Lord, speaking your word into our hearts. And I know that you have such a powerful word for us. And I pray that for everyone, Lord, within the sound of my voice, that you would just open our hearts to receive. And I know you know exactly where we're at and what we're going through, and you care about every person. And you want to bring every person, Lord, into your family. And I pray that you would just do that today in such a powerful way. We pray that our giving would just honor you as we give. Give back to all those, Lord, who are giving even more because I know that you want to bless us to be a blessing. And I thank you, Lord, for Woodland Church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. Well, we feel so, my family and I, we feel just so honored to be here. We admire this church so, so much. We have learned so much from you, and, and your pastors are just amazing, amazing. It's just so refreshing to Pastor Kerry, Pastor Chris, and the whole team here. They're just so full of Jesus, and I don't see them full of religiosity, but really full of Jesus, really taking seriously life with God and, and life with the kingdom it's, and the principles of God's word. It's just so beautiful, so beautiful. We've, we just want to thank you for your love and your reception and and it's been such a privilege. I want to just, my family has already heard the, the same message many times, probably in other places, and then last night, and then this morning, and, but they're here at least for this first part here so that you can get to know them also. My wife and, and kids, could you stand up please? My wife and my son and daughter and son-in-law. And the only one that's not here is my youngest son. He's still in high school in, in, in Brazil, and, and uh, he's the tallest one there, but the, the one that's not here. But uh, just thank you, my dear family. It's such a privilege. As you know, we worked in, in the Amazon many, many years, and uh, we, we saw God do amazing things by his, uh, for his glory and by his grace. Uh, my parents were American missionaries to Brazil, and I'm the, the youngest of, of the five kids, and all the kids got involved in ministry, and I, I was the only one born in Brazil, so I have a dual citizenship, and my oldest brother then wanted to work a lot in the Amazon. My dad already had planted many churches around Brazil, and then eventually the whole family was working in the Amazon also, and my brother had a heart for the, uh, the river people because there's over... 30,000 villages in the Amazon region that don't have any Christian church. And so uh, we started a big ministry. We have over 100 boats evangelizing and helping in social areas in the rivers of the Amazon. It's very beautiful. Hundreds of churches have been planted there, and it's very, very thrilling. And after my brother wanted to really, my oldest brother, to concentrate the river work and the river villages, the, the work had begun not too long before that. In the small city of Santarém, has around 200,000 people. They're on the banks of the Amazon, right in the heart of the, of, of the Amazon basin. 
And he asked me to pastor the church, so it was very, very little. And one of the first services after I started pastoring the church, I arrived, and besides myself, there were only two people. Well, I knew there were, even though the church was very little, I knew there were more than just two people. So I thought, well, Brazilians get late, but I want them to get used to arriving on time, so I'm going to start the service on time. And for sure, more and more will arrive. And so I, I put the microphone on the pedestal. I got the electric guitar, and I led a really long period of worship. And then I preached a long message, but no one else arrived. <laughs> Only the two people. And one of the two people was my sister, Angela. <laughs> but we kept seeing with the eyes of faith that growing, and we kept wanting to grow. The church to grow and praying and fasting and visiting and, and working. And in God's infinite grace and mercy, it, it started growing. And it, as it grew, we all start, all of a sudden started realizing, wait a minute, we're not caring well because now there's so many people, we're not being able to care well for the people. And that's where we really dived into the life groups and really trying to restore the biblical principles of the church and the home and discipleship and then we saw such quality happening, and, and then that resulted in even more growth for the glory of God. And I know it's not because of me. It's in, in spite of me and so many failures, so many wrong things, but God had so much mercy. And today it's over 45,000 people, and, and then we went, to, we went with a big team to Fortaleza. It's the northeastern part of Brazil where it's actually the least evangelized region. And now there's a church there with thousands, thousands and, uh, of people in the mother church and over 50 other churches in that region. And then we now move to Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo is a greater Sao Paulo area has 20 million people. But we not only want to reach the city of Sao Paulo, but our dream is to send out thousands of Brazilian missionaries around the world and... And so we're very, very excited about that. The Brazilians are loved in Muslim countries and Africa and Asia. And so it's, it's really exciting. We're, we're thrilled to, to be also friends and partners with, with uh, Woodlands Church and with all of you. We feel so, so very honored. And I would just like to show a tiny video for you to see a little bit more about the work in Brazil and, and what God is doing for his glory. Many people have asked us from all over the world, pastors visit us and say, well, how, is, how do so many thousands of people give their heart to Jesus? What's the secret of winning so many people for Jesus? And actually, it's, it's our people that are just so full of Jesus. They win people for Jesus. I always tell them, well, there's a lot of neat you know, evangelistic methods, and, and if they're biblical, they're wonderful and good. But I really believe the main secret to win a lot of people for Jesus is for the Christians to be full of Jesus. I always say, healthy sheep make a lot of babies. And, and so, as, as a person is full of Jesus, you will attract other people to Jesus. And one of the things I see in my wife, she's, she's always smiling and so full of Jesus. I've seen this over and over again. We'll just walk in a store sometimes and people say, you have a different smile. And, and so many people have come to to Jesus 
just because of the friendship that develops because she's so full of Jesus. And it's happened sometimes with me. I, I'm believing what's going to happen a lot more. I remember one time when I, I wasn't a pastor yet. I graduated from Bible college in South Carolina, but I also completed a, a summer course, a, a jazz course in, in Berkeley College of Music in Boston. And every night I would like to go running, go jogging. And I was coming back from running. You know, I was in the, the city bus around 10.30 at night. And, and, you know, I wasn't a pastor. And I didn't even look so Christian because my hair was real long, you know. And, and I was running clothes on. And I'm, but I'm standing in the bus and just thinking, boy, how this life of Jesus is so wonderful. And I'm just standing there in the bus. And all of a sudden I saw this other real long-haired dude looking at me really strange, you know. I thought it was kind of weird the way he was looking at me, but I just, you know, looked away and kept thinking about Jesus. And all of a sudden, he's real close to me. He caught me off guard and he, he says, Hey, man, what is it that you have there? I didn't know what he was talking about. I thought maybe it was a robbery or something. I said, What is it, man? What, what do you want? He says, You know what I want. And I said, no, man, I promise, I don't know what you want. He, he says, then he said real softly so no one in the bus would hear, he says, I want to know what type of drug you're taking. That, that makes you so full of this happiness, I see. He says, I, I need that type of drug, man. You need to tell me, man. And I almost said, no, no, I'm not taking any drugs. But then I thought, wait, what an opportunity to tell about Jesus. So at that moment, I became a holy drug lord. <laughs> I, since he was all mystical, I became real mystical too. I said, man, do you really want to know what I have? He says, yeah. I said, are you sure? He said, yeah. I said, it's Jesus. <laughs> And then I was able to, to tell him about Jesus. And I, I really believe that is the secret. Is if we're so full of Jesus, we're going we're gonna to draw other people to Jesus. We're going to attract other people to Jesus. But here's a big thing that I started realizing as I started pastoring the church. And that is a lot of people are coming to Jesus. But a lot of times the back door was, was so big also. A lot of people all of a sudden would fall away and kind of, you know, cool off in the faith and, and, and not really keep following Jesus with all their heart like they should. And, and I said, boy, we have to have a better way to disciple these people and to care for these people. And God, what's the secret to integrate, integrate these people so that they, they really, really are part of, of, of what you're doing and, and for them to grow in the faith. And that's when God started teaching us more about what I call the, the Barnabas factor. The Barnabas factor. And the Barnabas factor, of course, is based on the, the biblical man of God, Barnabas. And an example that he, from his life, shows us in the word of God. So let's read about, about Barnabas. Um, some of the historians from the early church fathers they claimed that Barnabas was one of the 70 that Jesus sent out. That's not mentioned in the Bible, but the first time the Barnabas is actually mentioned by name in the Bible is in Acts chapter 4, 
verse 36 and 37. It says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So the first thing we see about Barnabas is that his real name wasn't even Barnabas. His real name was Joseph. But Joseph was such a common name in those days there uh, amongst the Jews that it was um, the, the apostles gave him a nickname. But they didn't just give him a nickname for no reason at all. Now, the Bible doesn't say why they gave him this nickname, Barnabas. But you can imagine they must have had a good reason to give him this nickname. See, Barnabas is... Actually, the New Testament was written in Greek, but a lot of the names of people are still in Aramaic, and they were transliterated into the Greek. So Barnabas is actually an Aramaic name, and it comes from two different words, bar, nabas. Bar, every time you see in the Bible, in the New Testament, someone's name with bar at the front, it means son, like bar Timaeus, son of Timaeus. Or Jesus died in the place of Barabbas, son, bar, abba, is father. Jesus died in the, the place of all the sons and daughters of the fathers. Very interesting. And so Bar Nabas means son of Nabas. Nabas is paraclesis. It comes from the same root word that Jesus gave for the Holy Spirit. Remember Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you orphans, but I'm going to send another, a paracletos. Someone that, paracletos in the Greek means someone who comes alongside to an encourage. That's why the annotated Bible says Barnabas is, is called an encourager, son of the Paraclesis. Wow, can you think of a more awesome nickname? Son of the Holy Spirit, son of the encouragement? That's an amazing nickname. I, I believe that in the spiritual realm, God wants all of us to, to today, before we leave this building, to receive that in the spiritual realm, that as a, as a name, a spiritual name for us. I really believe that God wants me and you to become a Barnabas. Or if you're a woman, you can call yourself a, a Barnabella. But I really see you already as this Barnabas. Now, what's the secret to become a Barnabas? Well, see, Barnabas was such an example of someone that knew how to integrate people into the life of the body of Christ and, and care for new converts and help them grow. He's an amazing example. We're going to see that now. But the first thing we see in this text that we read is that Barnabas was super generous. He had a piece of land, he, a very expensive land. In fact, Cyprus is very expensive land in those days. It still is to this day. Cyprus is an island on the Mediterranean in the Mediterranean Sea, and it's very, very expensive land. And he sells this land and, and gives it for the work of the Lord. In other words, we see someone, if you want to become a Barnabas, a Barnabella, we need to be generous with our time, generous with our resources, if we really want to help other people get to be strong in the Lord. Another thing that we see about Bar Barnabas is how he helped Saul. Now Saul was just a new convert. He later on was to become the great apostle Paul. Let's read about him here in Acts chapter 9. It says, when he came to Jerusalem, it's talking about Saul, 
he tried to join the disciples. See, he's a new convert and he's trying to fit in. But look what it says. They were all, all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. So here we have a candidate for someone that's going to fall away, for someone that's going to back away. Because why? No one's believing in this guy. He's a new convert. We forget that. That the great apostle Paul, when he was a new convert, he's vulnerable. Just like a child is vulnerable. I mean, he's a new convert. No one's believing in him. No one's believing in him. We might have never had the great apostle Paul that wrote almost half of the New Testament if it weren't for the next two words. Look at the next two words. It says, but Barnabas. But Barnabas took him. Where did he take him? We don't know for sure, but I can imagine it was kind of like this. Service had ended at the Jerusalem church and Barnabas is seeing that no one's believing in Saul. No one's believing that he's truly a true Christian. They're kind of like, this guy, he's a persecutor. I know him. So Barnabas comes up and says, hi, Saul. Well, I heard that you gave your heart to Jesus. Welcome to God's family. Where, where are you going out for lunch? Oh. I'm not sure. Let's go out together. And as they went out to eat lunch, he says, tell me your testimony, Saul. How was it that you got to know Jesus? And Saul starts telling him this amazing story. I was going on the road to Damascus and this light shone and Barnabas' jaw is just dropping. He's saying, this is amazing. The apostles have to hear this. So look at what Barnabas does. He, he goes and takes Saul Look what the Bible says. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and the Lord had spoken to him and how he, the man, Saul, how he had spoken in Damascus had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So, so Barnabas is telling the apostles, this is Saul, and he's telling the apostles Saul's testimony isn't this amazing? Barnabas helped Saul fit in. See, Saul before was like a fish out of water, a candidate to just cool off in the faith. But now because of Barnabas, Saul is integrated into the body of Christ and, and the apostles know him and really believe that he's a true Christian. And, and so look at the next verse. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem. See, now he's a, like a fish in the water, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. But Saul is still a new convert. And look at the next verse. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. Oh, look at, see, a new convert, the Bible says, all new converts, the Bible says this, if you're new, young in the faith, you're still carnal. That's what the Bible says. This is interesting. So we expect a lot of times new converts to act very mature, but they aren't. They're new converts. I mean, we have to be patient with them. A, a, a child in the faith, much, many times is like a, a natural child. They talk a lot and talk too much sometimes. And it happened with, with Saul. He started getting into debates and arguments Later on, when he became the great apostle Paul, he wrote in the, the epistles inspired by the Holy Spirit, he said, do not get involved in debates. <laughs> but now he's a new convert. So he is getting involved in debates and arguments 
and, and then they try to kill him. And, and I really, you know, I could be mistaken, but I think Barnabas was traveling because look at the next verse. It says, oh, verse 30. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea. Caesarea is where you get the ship. And they sent him off to Tarsus. Now, Tarsus is really far away, and the gospel hadn't arrived there yet. If, if, if there's one thing you don't do, you don't send off a new convert to a city real far away where there's no one that's going to be able to take care of them. I mean, this comforts me because if the early church, you know, we like us, even we much more, of course, but they have things to learn too. And, and I, I can imagine like the apostle saying, this guy's problematic. He's causing all these arguments. And what do we do with him? Well, Saul of Tarsus, let's send him to, to his hometown. Yeah, but that's an expensive, you know, ship trip. Well, well, well let's, let's make, you know, get a little offering here. Okay. And then they call Saul, brother, you know, the people are really mad at you. And so we thought it'd be better, you know, for you to go to Tarsus. And so we, we got together and we have good news for you. We, we bought a ticket for you. You already have a, a ticket and to, to Tarsus. And only one detail, it's only a one-way trip. <laughs> but, so we're, we'll catch up with, with Saul in just a little while. But first of all, let's just, just, just think how Barnabas helped Saul it that crucial moment when no one was believing in him and took him. I see in this some secrets of integration. Okay, so let's, let's see these four principles of integration. The first one is it's more important to integrate the person than to just simply have him repeat a conversion prayer. I know that sounds almost heretical, but let me explain before you throw stones at me. <laughs> If you get someone to just repeat a sinner's prayer, that's very important. And for sure, it's the right step in the, in the right direction. But you don't know for sure if they're really understanding what they're doing and if they're really giving their heart to Jesus. You don't know that for sure. And here's a big thing. If you don't integrate them into the body of Christ, they, they will just, so many times, they just cool off and, and stop really, you know, going to church and, and, and seeking God. And so it's such a shame. It's so sad. But if you get someone and you integrate them to the point, and if it's, if, if, if it's a church like this church that really preaches the word of God, and to the point that he says, I found my spiritual family. I'm not leaving this church ever again. I love that life group. It's my spiritual family. To the point that he says, I'm not leaving. Even if he isn't born again yet, sooner or later, he is going to give his heart to Jesus because he is going to hear the word and, and, he's, going to be, and he's going to be born again. And here's the good thing. After being born again, he's going to keep growing in the faith because he is integrated now. He's integrated. You, know, you understand what I'm saying? And so this is so crucial. That's the first principle of integration. The second principle of integration is this. The main secret to integrate someone is through genuine friendships. If you don't get close to them and, and they don't have close friendships, they, they become susceptible to the lies of the enemy and they can just, you know, back off. How many people in the greater Houston area 
I mean, I'm sure you probably know someone or maybe many people that already gave their heart to Jesus or at least repeated a sinner's prayer, but they're not following Jesus at the moment. They're not going to church. They're, I mean, and when they gave their heart to Jesus, when they repeated the prayer, they were really wanting to take life seriously with God, but now they aren't. What happened? They were not integrated. So to integrate someone, we have to draw close to them and become a close friend to them. Third place, these friendships are better cultivated in informal gatherings and specific bridge events. Our life groups, we hold a lot of like barbecues and stuff and then tr try to really develop close friendships and integrate these people in the life of the church. And then of course, to truly develop these friendships, you have to invest much time. It's just not a fast, superficial talk. It's really a close friendship. Now let's continue with, with uh, what happened with Saul. Um, in verse 19 of Acts 11, it says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out with Stephen when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. Wow, the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So for the first time, a non-Jewish church was planted, a Gentile church. And now, Look what the apostles in Jerusalem did. Now, when, uh, when news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And they were guided by the Holy Spirit to send Barnabas to pasture this new church in Antioch. Okay, When Barnabas arrived and saw the grace of God, what the grace of God has done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. See, wherever there's a Barnabas, a great number of people will be drawn to the Lord. Amen? And I see you as a Barnabas in your life group, in your church, drawing a great number of people to the Lord. Well, look at just imagine with me, Barnabas is the senior pastor of the church in Antioch. A great revival is breaking out. Now look at the next verse. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Oh my goodness. Here he is pastoring this church. Revival is breaking out. Multitudes are giving their heart to Jesus. But Barnabas did not forget Saul. And what the theologians say is he probably went by foot and it took many days to get there. And when he got there, he had to look around for him. He couldn't just Google Saul's address. He had to look around. And when he finally found his address, I imagine it was kind of like this. Saul, still a single guy, you know, their way out, abandoned now. He had blown it in Jerusalem. He's living with his mom. And he's sitting on his bed. The beds in those days were just a mat on the floor in his little room. And he's probably praying and crying and saying, God, I know that it was Jesus that appeared to me on the road to Damascus. And he said he had great things for me. But nothing's happening. 
Did I blow it too much in Jerusalem? Are you still gonna use me greatly? Like I, I, is there still a chance for me to be used by you? And maybe he's even crying when all of a sudden he hears a knock at the door. You know, the Bible doesn't say it, but I imagine it was kind of like this. Here's a knock at the door and his mom opens the door and says, yes. He says, is this Saul's house? Yes. Is he there? Yes. Can I talk with him? And he's, Saul's thinking, boy, I, I know that voice. And all of a sudden he says, tell him it's his friend Barnabas. <gasps> Barnabas, the only one who believed in me in Jerusalem. He dries his tears, goes out and they embrace and he says, Barnabas, what are you doing in, here in Tarsus? And Barnabas says, Saul, I came here for you. For me? Why? Saul, I want to take you. I want to take you to, to help me. To help me in the work of the Lord. He said, oh, no, no. I can't go back to Jerusalem. <laughs> the brothers don't want me very much. In fact, the Bible says the next verse after Saul left, it says they had great peace in Jerusalem. <laughs> The Bible says it. He said, he said, I can't go back there. I can't go back there. He says, I'm not in Jerusalem anymore. I'm in Antioch, and I'm the senior pastor. You're going to help me. You're going to be greatly used by God. Saul says, do you think, Barnabas, I can still be used? Barnabas says, Saul, I am sure. Saul, something tells me you're going to become a great apostle like Peter, Paul, John. And he says, do you really believe that part of us? He says, I'm sure of that. Remember the vision God gave you on the road to Damascus? You're going to be greatly used by God. Where am I going to live, Barnabas? Don't worry about that. We'll find you a place. Come with me. Come with me. Wow. Wow. And as you read the Bible, look, look at what the Bible says. It says, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. And look at what the Bible says. If you keep reading the book of Acts, you'll see that it was under Barnabas' discipleship of Saul that Saul became the great apostle Paul. I sincerely believe that if it weren't for Barnabas, we would have never had the great apostle Paul. What about you? God wants to use you and me as Barnabases to reach out to people that maybe right now as I'm talking, right now, I'm sure there must be a Saul somewhere or a Saula in their room. They already gave their heart to Jesus years ago, but they've cooled off in the faith. They're just needing a Barnabas. They're just needing a word of love and encouragement. They're just needing someone like you and I to go after them. I've learned so much from our people at, in Brazil. So much. Because, in fact, I tell them all, always, I say, you are. I'm learning with you. I'm your pastor, but I'm learning with you because I see them in our life groups. We have over 6,000 life groups here in that one church. And what they do, they'll do this type of Barnabas factor. They're always going after people and loving them. And sometimes I've, I've learned with them and, and with God and, and done it. Also, it's, it's been so exciting. Let me tell you, I'll finish my, 
my message here with, with a personal experience that I had that was so exciting. Our church was real little yet. And there was this guy that, his name was Gildo. And, and there in the, our church there in the Amazon. And he, he was a new convert, so excited about Jesus, a young guy, you know. And then, you know, it was like a, just, you know, soon he would had backslid. But then he came back to the Lord, and then he backslid again. And I don't know, this happened many times. He backslid various times. Finally, he says, Pastor, now it's really, I'm really serious. I want to take God's thing seriously. And he actually got ready and did, did, was baptized and everything. Then he backslid again. And I remember the young people of our church saying, Gildo, he doesn't, he's not taking God seriously. He's not wanting. People seen him drunk, seen him with prostitutes. You know, he's giving a bad name to our church. In fact, everyone knew, knew he was a Christian of our church, and they're talking bad about Gildo. And all of a sudden, my heart just, something just stirred in me. And I felt God, and I, and I said to the young people, I said, don't talk bad about Gildo. That's what the devil wants you to do. If you keep talking bad about Gildo, sooner or later he'll find out. And when he wants to come back to Jesus, he's, he's going to be all turned off at the church because everyone talks bad about him. You should speak words of faith and love about Gildo. Say what the word says. What does the word says? Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. I am convinced that he who began a good work in Gildo will complete it until the day of the Lord Jesus. Speak words of faith about Gildo. Speak words of love. Say that we believe Gildo's coming back to Jesus, that we love him. And I really gave him a good bawling out. And those young people said, oh, pastor, thank you. Okay, we will do that. You know, and I walked away feeling pretty good about myself. Boy, I really told him off on Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then the Lord said, very good, my son. Now, what about you? And I said, what about me? He says, do your part. And I said, what do you mean, do my part? He says, go after Gildo. I said, Lord, I'm really busy. I have a lot to do. And there are a lot of people wanting help. Gildo doesn't want help. He says, what about that verse in the Bible that says a good shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the one? I said, yeah, but you have to understand that Gildo's a problematic person. I mean, he's a professional backslider. <laughs> and, and, and God said, he said, do you want, my son, do you want the church to grow? I said, God, you know I want it to grow, not for my glory. But for your glory, I want to plunder hell and populate heaven. I want to win people for Jesus. He says, how is it going to grow if you're not faithful with the ones I already gave you? And he helped me remember that verse in the Bible says, he was faithful with little, I will make faithful over much. But he who is not faithful with little, I won't even make faithful over much. I said, I'm going after Gildo. <laughs> so I went to Gildo's house. It's a long story because at first he didn't even want to receive me. But I kept insisting, and he was so embarrassed, and I just loved him and said, we love you. I see you following Jesus. I see you as a man of God, Gildo. He said, okay, pastor, I'm going back to church, but he didn't go back. One time, I, I met him on the street just by chance. I was walking, and he was coming in my direction, except that he was with a bunch of prostitutes just walking down the road like this. And I saw him and I said, Gildo, God bless you. He felt so embarrassed because of the prostitutes. So he held me back and the prostitutes kept walking and he said, 
Okay, pastor, I'm going to church. I'm going to church. <laughs> I looked in his eyes and I felt the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I said, Gildo, I see you as a great man of God. Gildo, I believe that he who began a good work in you will complete it till the day of the Lord Jesus. See, we have to keep loving. We have to keep believing. We have to keep going after. You know what happened? Gildo says that when I said those words, Gildo says to this day, he says, that he still feels to these, this day those words ringing around in him. He looked at me and says, I'm going to church this weekend. And he actually went. And you know what he said? That when he went to church that time, all of a sudden it's like dying. The lights turned on. He really understood what it was to receive Jesus as his Savior and Lord. And he was truly born again. He never again backed away from the things of God. And you know what? Judo became a great pastor. <laughs> a great man of God. He is one of our greatest pastors there in Brazil, by God's grace. God is using him so powerfully. Actually, many of our pastors and leaders are ex-backslidden Christians, people that no one believed in anymore. I just want to challenge you. Be a Barnabas to someone. I would like to pray for you and for myself that we will be more and more Barnabases for God's glory. Okay? Let's stand up, please. Actually, I'm going to do two prayers. The first prayer is for us that already gave our heart to Jesus, that we will become true Barnabases for other Christians. Father, I, I pray for my dear brother, my dear sister. I pray for myself too, God. Oh, forgive me so many times for being so selfish and just thinking about myself and, and not going after the, the Gildos and the Sauls, the people that, that need your love. God, help me to, to be a Barnabas. Help us to be Barnabases, to take people to our life group, to get them integrated, to believe in them and to believe in the work of your Holy Spirit in their lives. Help us to be true Barnabases. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. Stay with your eyes closed, please. I'd like to pray for all the people that would like to give your heart to Jesus. Maybe you say, Pastor Abe, I, I realize I, I need to give my heart to Jesus. I'd like to pray for you right now. Just in your heart, re repeat this prayer with all of your heart. Dear Father, I, I ask you to forgive me for all my sins and Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Thank you that he rose from the dead, and, and I believe that. I receive Jesus now as my Savior and my Lord. I just give my heart completely to you. Transform my life, Jesus. Thank you for saving me and washing me clean with your blood, in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank, Thank you, you so Abe. much. God bless. Praise God. Just remain standing. You know what I'm talking about now. Um, 
Abe has such a heart for people and such a love for people that comes from Christ. And I just want to ask you, who are you to be a Barnabas or a Barnabella to this week? To bring them into the family, to get them connected, to show them the love of Christ. God's placed you in a, in a place, I know, with someone where you're the Barnabas for them. And so I just really challenge you to take those steps, to reach out, bring them into the family. Let them know you believe in them. And I want to say to you, I believe in you. I believe in what God is doing in your life. And I believe that God has a purpose and a plan. Maybe you've been wandering away from God, but I want you to know, I believe in you with God's power and God's grace that he's going to bring you into the fold and he's going to bring you alive to become all that God's called you to be. Maybe you're a dad. You're going to be the dad that God has called you to be. That maybe you've never been before, but you're going to be an amazing dad. Maybe you're a mom and you feel like you're just not able to really get everything done. You need to get done. I want you to know God loves you. And he says you are beautiful and wonderful. And you are becoming all that he's called you to be. I just want to say to you, the man or woman out there who feels like you're never going to be enough, that you don't have what it takes, I believe with all my heart with Christ's power, he has what it takes in you, and you will become who he's called you to be. We believe in you at Woodland Church, and we love Abby, and thank you so much. Abe, I'm, I'm used to calling him by his Brazilian. They call him Abby in Brazil. So, um, but give him one more thank you. Thank God for him. Yeah, coming all this way. And I want to tell you, if you're not connected to this church family, this is your time right now because right after this service, we have our membership class, and that's how you connect, and also our life class for those of you who've gone to the membership class, and in the membership class, we feed you, we have childcare, and we get you connected and plugged in and connect you to a life group, and so don't miss it. Our life group's pastor, Pastor Chris Van Houten, is going to tell you some logistics about what to do. If you haven't signed up yet, it's okay. We've got plenty of food. Thank you so much, Chris. We want to sing to the Lord. Our prayer in closing here is a song to the Lord, thanking him that he wants to echo out of our lives this love and this uh, contagious um, Christianity that he's put in our lives. So let's just sing with all our heart. Just know that God loves you. God has a great plan for you, and God believes in you. He believes in who you're becoming. I love how Jesus always looked at people, and he saw not what they were or where they were. He saw what they could become. And God sees what you can become with his power and his grace. He's got a great plan for your life. Let's sing to him with all our heart and just let him know how much you love him. And this will send us out with God's power. God bless you, Willow Church. We love you so much. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodland Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.